0: Welcome to the Center Ranch Church weekly podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Well, good morning. Good to see you this morning. Thank you so much for being here. I'm glad that you're here. Today's going to be a great day. Amen. It's fall. Greatest season that there is, the air turned crisp and cool in the evenings and mornings. Everything's good. If you rode the shuttle this morning, got to ride one of our nice new shuttles that we're recently able to purchase, which is exciting. Lots of good things, good things happening. I'm excited that you're here with us this morning. This morning we're starting a series that we're calling Whatever It Takes, but if you were here, part of our church a couple of years ago, we did a series with this same Name two years ago and started a campaign or an initiative that really re- resulted in us being able to be in this in this building today. And so if you were a part of that series that we did a couple of years ago, in that series we started off talking about the mission that God has given us as a church family. Our mission is connecting people with the newness of life found only in Jesus Christ that that is our mission that's our true north that there is there is newness of life it's real people can can be step out of the old and into the new, become a new creature, a new creation. There is a way to really genuinely have a a brand new life, but there's only one way to step into that, and it's through a relationship with Jesus. So we want to connect people with that newness of life, help them to grow in that newness of life, because not everyone has been made new. There's people all around us that still need to hear about Jesus, still need a good representation, a a good communication of the, the gospel, and so we want to fill that role and connect people with the newness of life and help people grow in that connection. So that, that's what our mission is as a church, to see them walk, live, grow in newness of life. And it's, it's really just the Great Commission kind of rephrased in our own, own words. We want to make disciples and we want to help those disciples become more and more like Jesus. So our, our mission is really just about making disciples making more disciples and making better disciples. And if it falls outside of that, then it's, it's something for someone else to do. So we, we talked about our mission and we talked about our vision in that series. Our vision changes every few few years. It's just the, the point on the horizon that we're aiming for as we're working towards our mission. Right now, our vision is to grow this body of believers till we get to the point where we're 1,000 strong. And then we'll cast new vision as we keep working on our mission. And if you were part of that series a couple of years, years ago, maybe you remember me me talking about when some things changed in our church. And when I stepped into this position, our church was going through a a difficult season and there was a lot of change and, um, just the church wasn't very healthy at that point in time. And I remember going into my very first elders meeting and I, I didn't know what I was doing. I'm not sure I still even know what I'm doing now, but I sat in that elders meeting. I looked around the elders and I said, well, um, What are we, what what can we change? And they said, everything, everything. That there was this attitude of we'll change whatever. We know that we're not in a good spot. We're not advancing the kingdom of God like we should be. We'll change anything. And we talked about that attitude that God blessed. We'll do whatever it takes to build the church of Jesus Christ, to advance the kingdom of God. We're willing to do whatever. And when we talk about the church, we're not just talking about building and advancing the church this church our church ultimately we're talking about the kingdom of God and that's the attitude we're supposed to have when it comes to building seeking advancing the kingdom of God oh uh, whatever it takes there's nothing off the off the table G- Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 seek first the kingdom of God I love the new living translation it says make the kingdom of God your primary concern that that's the thing I'm seeking above anything else and that we talked about that in the, the series Series, that's the attitude we've got to have to advance the kingdom of God. If we're going to take our mission and our vision seriously, and again, it's not just about us, it's about God's kingdom, we've got to make it primary concern. In that, in that season we were in two years ago, we were talking about how we felt God was leading us to sell our land, to sell our building, and to purchase this building that we're in today and to remodel it and turn it into a church where where God could be worshipped. If you were a part of that, maybe you got one of these bracelets. It says whatever it takes on it as Matthew 6.33. Some of you remember getting those. I haven't taken mine off in two years. I don't know if that's inspiring or disgusting. Uh, hopefully more on the inspiring side. But just as a reminder, that, that's our heart, that's our, our attitude. And so part of, that, part of that series was a campaign that people started to, to say, pray about, God, what, what would you have me give? How can I participate in this? How can I contribute financially to see this vision, to see what we feel like you're calling us to become, become a reality? And that's the attitude. We wanted to get to a point where there was nothing off limits. God, what, what would you have me give? what would you have me contribute? To have a whatever it takes attitude in our heart when it comes to advancing the kingdom of God, completely yielded, completely obedient. God, there's nothing you could point to that I'd say not that. God, there's nothing you could ask me to do that I'd say that's too far, that's too hard, that's too much. I'm your servant. Everything I am, everything I have is yours. So Father, you you just point to it, and it's yours. That's the kind of attitude we wanted to develop, and and many of us got to that point asking God, what would you have me give? How would you have me be a part of it? Some of us emptied bank accounts. Some of us sold personal property so we'd be able to to participate, and our church family did an incredible job making commitments, bringing significant offerings to this whatever-it-takes campaign. We set a goal that in three years, we would bring in $1.3 million above and beyond our normal giving. Right now, we're at the two-year mark in that campaign. Our goal was in three years, 1300000 million. We're currently at $1.1 million. So we're over halfway, <laughs> which is amazing. It's amazing. So I believe we, we can surpass that $1.3 million goal that we set and see what God, God does in us and through us over this last year of the campaign. But when we started this campaign, we were in our old building, kind of thinking and dreaming about a new location, thinking and dreaming about maybe what God could do or what he would do. And now we're here and we're getting to see so many of those things become a reality, things that we dreamt about and things that we didn't even think of what we're seeing play out. You know, just this year, we're nine months in, just this year, we've had 195 people make decisions to follow Jesus. <laughs> just, just this year. That's incredible. We've seen more than 50 people baptized in water, where we're seeing all kinds of ministries grow in their effectiveness, or new ministries launched. This year, we had our largest VBS that we've ever had in 52 years of VBS this, this past summer, using this location and facility that God, God has blessed us with. We just launched, uh, launched a ministry for fifth and sixth grade kids. It's taking place right now. We've got space. We've got the capacity to offer a ministry for an age group that typically typically falls through the cracks between children's ministry and youth ministry, but right now they're being poured into, molded, and shaped into young men and women of God. It's, it's happening right now. We, just Friday night, we had a banquet where we anointed and commissioned our Center Branch School of Ministry students, and we're, we're relaunching that ministry to raise up future ministers of the, of the gospel to advance the kingdom of God. This month, we launched Center Branch Academy, which was something new, something we didn't know God would use us in this facility and location to do that, but we launched it. We, we thought 25 students would be an amazing thing to shoot for. We've got 50 plus and a, a waiting list we're after saying check, check back next year. It's been amazing what God is doing. Listen to this. Just this past week, I heard this story this morning in, in a reading class at Center Branch Academy. You know? Uh, A lot of the people that come to Center Branch Academy, a lot of the kids are from our church family, but not all of them. Some of them are just from our community, people that want their kids to be a part of something like this, be in an environment like this. So they're not all from Christian families. In the middle of a class, one of the students got up and went to the teacher and said, I want to know Jesus, and gave gave their heart to the Lord in the middle of a class. So that's amazing. That's happening As kids are coming to school, their teachers are leading them to the Lord in the middle middle of class. Let's pause Charlotte's Web and lead this child in a prayer of salvation. Then we'll resume the class. That is is amazing. I can hardly tell that story without crying. That is so beautiful. That's what God is doing in us and through us, and it is amazing. It's amazing. So in this series, I'm just trying to set it up this morning. In this series, we're going to challenge you to give. But it's really about something much deeper than that. It's really about discipleship. It's about having hearts that are yielded and open, obedient, sacrificial. Father, whatever you want, whatever you say, you you want me to go somewhere, I'll go. You want me to say something, I'll say it. You want me to give, I'll give it. Completely yielded disciples. That's what it's about. Because we want the kingdom of God to advance Externally, More people come to know the Lord. We want that. But there's another way that God's kingdom advances, internally. That the lordship of Jesus increases in my life and to the point where I'm 100% yielded to whatever he wants. So we want the advancement of God's kingdom externally. We also want God's kingdom to advance internally. And giving, we believe that giving is one of the most transformative things that a believer can be a part of. And so in our church... We will work with you. We will intentionally work to develop people as givers. And I know some people don't like it. Some pre- people bristle against that and question, question motives. But it is a mark of maturity to get to a point where you are a giver. So even though some people don't like it, we know that that's what's best. It's transformative to lead people and develop them to become givers. So even though people misunderstand us, we still want to work and do our best to develop people in that area. It's like raising a child. My kids might think that I'm mean because I won't let them stay up all night and eat ice cream and not brush their teeth. They, they don't understand. I'm actually making decisions to try to help them and develop them. The same things happen often in the body of Christ as well. Giving, giving is transformative. Giving is a mark of maturity. If you've gone through our growth track, we talk about this in growth track that we want people to get to where they are givers because it's a spot of being mature. We use the analogy of when you plant a seed, if you have a garden and you plant a tomato seed or a cucumber seed, if you look on the back of that seed packet, it'll say 60 days to maturity or 90 days to maturity or something along those lines. And what it's saying is that at that mark, something significant changes in the life of that plant. Up until that point, that plant is about feed me, water me, care for me. I need this. I need that. Please watch over me. Give me, give me, give me. But then there will come a point in time where it's no longer just about receiving and what you can do for that plant. At one point, that plant will have something to give to you. And when it begins not just to receive but to also give, even in the plant world, they call that it's now mature. We want people to get to a point of maturity. And giving helps develop and helps people step into that. Giving is, giving is significant. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is as well. So we're, we're going to talk about giving in some context, but really it's about discipleship. Let me read to you from Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four Verse 17, in context, we won't read the whole chapter, but in context, Paul is talking about how the Philippian church has contributed financially to his ministry, and that's what he's talking about. Verse 17, he says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. So he's talking about them giving. He says, you've given to me once and again. You've been faithful in your contributions, and not that I'm after the gift. I'm not after the money. I'm actually after what abounds to your account. So he's acknowledging that there's two parts of, of giving. One is the funding of his ministry. So one is the financial aspect, funding the ministry, and that's important. That's an important part of it. Malachi chapter three talks about bringing the tithes and the offerings into the house of God so the house of God would be well-resourced to do what God has instructed us to do. So that's part of it. But he said there's a second part of it that's discipleship, that's obedience. And he actually indicates that that is the part that's more worthy of pursuit than the first part. The, the fruit that abounds, not that I'm after the gift. I'm not, yes, you fund my ministry and that's important, but there's something else that's even more precious. It, it's the, the, the fruit that abounds to your account. Seeing you develop as men and women of God and step into maturity where you're not just about what you can receive, what you can give, that that is the fruit. That that's what I'm after, seeing that development. So both parts are important, but if we work to develop people as givers, as mature followers of Jesus, disciples, that the funding part takes care of itself, but we we've, we've got to be willing to grow as as believers and as disciples. So that's what we're going to be talking about, and we're going to look at the life of Abraham over these next few weeks and talk about growing in our obedience, growing in our discipleship. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 Giving is important because giving is a mark of obedience, and obedience is a mark of being a disciple. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul was talking about giving again, and he told the Corinthian church, I know how you excel in faith. You excel in speech. He gave a list of things. You guys are doing great at all these different areas. But I want you to excel also at the gift of giving. They'd grown in a lot of areas, and that was good. He wanted to continue to develop them till they got to the point of being generous givers. Giving is a mark of discipleship. It's a mark of obedience. Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Now, Abraham, who at this point in time is Abram, before God changed his name, we don't know a whole lot about him up until this point. God speaks to him one day and says, I want you to leave leave this land and go to a land that I'll show you. He was living in what is modern day Turkey at that time. Leave this place, go where I'm going to show you, and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you great. God starts giving them these amazing promises of how I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a blessing. It's amazing what God is telling him. But beyond blessing him and making him great, God says, in addition to that, I'm going, I'm going to bless all the families of the earth through you. It's an amazing thing to tell somebody. That's an incredible promise, an incredible blessing. Everyone on the face of the planet will be blessed through what I'm going to do in you, if you know the story of Abraham, how eventually he has a son named Isaac. Isaac has a son named Jacob. Jacob has this encounter with God, where God changes his name and changes Jacob's name to, to Israel. And Israel has twelve sons. You get the the tribes of Israel from those twelve sons. One of the sons' name was Judah. And Jesus was born in the line of Judah, the lion of the tribe of Judah. This incredible blessing that God brought through Abraham and Sarah, the way that he blessed them, the way that he blessed us. We're experiencing that blessing that's talked about in that verse we just read. We're experiencing it right now. But that blessing came through two people, Abraham and Sarah, that were willing to do whatever it takes. God wanted to bless Abraham. God wanted to bless Sarah and make them a blessing to other people, very similar Similar to what he wants to do in your life and what he wants to do in my life and what he wants to do in this church. You know, God wants to bless you God wants to bless you. He wants to see you blessed. He wants to see you blessed to a point where you, that that becomes a description of you. You are a blessing. God wants to bless this church to see us flourish for our own sake, but that that blessing would spill over and that the people in the community around us would be blessed because we are here. But just like Abraham and Sarah, all of that hinged on something. It hinged on them having a willingness, a yieldedness and obedience that when God gave them instruction, when He spoke to their heart. They were willing to obey. You and I are in the same boat. God wants to bless us, make us a blessing, but it's going to hinge on whether we're yielded and obedient and willing to do whatever it takes. I want that blessing in my life. I want that blessing in your life. God has blessed me. He's been good to me, but I know there's deeper. I know there's richer. I want the blessing of God in my life. I want to be a blessing to people. I want to be a blessing. I want so badly for my life to be a blessing to the people around me. You know, in addition to that, I want to be blessed. I want to be a blessing. I want to have a legacy in my life with my wife, with my children, with people that know me well. That He was a man. He would do whatever it took. Whatever was, if God spoke to him, so with my wife talks about me, lots of stuff she could say. You know, with laundry, he wasn't the best. He would leave stuff laying around. I don't think he ever did figure out how to turn his socks back right, right side out when he, when he took them off. He would always leave the, the kitchen cabinets uh, you know, open. He just couldn't seem to close them after himself. But I'll tell you, when it comes to the kingdom of God, It's a man that would be completely obedient. There's nothing God could speak to him he wouldn't be willing to do. I want that kind of legacy. I want my children to be able to talk about me. There's lots of things they could maybe say or not be able to say. Maybe he wasn't the coolest dad or the most fun dad. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, I want to have a legacy. Our father was willing to do whatever God spoke to his heart. There was nothing off limits. There was nothing too hard, too high, too, too much. He was completely yielded to the will of God. I want that legacy in my life. I want that legacy in your life. I want that legacy for us as a church family. Those people will do anything God asks them to do. There's nothing off limits when it comes to God speaking to their heart that they're like clay in the potter's hand. They will do, they'll become, they're completely yielded to whatever he wants. I want that legacy in my life. So in this, in this passage, we looked at God begins to speak to Abraham and he asks him to do something, leave your land, go where I'm going to show you. But then he just kept saying the things that he wanted to do. I will do this. I will do that. Let me read it to you again. Get out of the country from your family and your father's house to a land I'll show you. Now listen to the next couple of verses. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It wasn't about what God wanted from Abraham, it's what God wanted to do in him and for him and through him. That's that's what it was all about, but God works in our lives through faith. It's through, through faith that we experience the goodness of God, the blessing of God. Faith is the avenue that opens up our lives to allow God to have his, his way in our lives. So he gave Abraham an instruction, gave him something to believe, gave him something to obey. And through that obedience, it opened up his life for God to do all the things, to bless him and lead him and guide him and develop him and make him what he wanted him to be. Faith is what gave God access, and faith is expressed through obedience. Obedience is an expression of faith. Let's read the next few verses here. Verse 4, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the Terebinth tree of Morah, and the Canaanites were then in the land. So Abram doesn't just hear the Lord. It says, then then he departed, he obeyed, he acted on what God had spoken to do. Now, I don't know if you use your imagination and fill in some of the blanks, kind of fill in some of the cracks when you read the Bible, but sometimes it can be helpful to do that and really appreciate what men like Abram, women like Sarah did when God spoke to them. To leave where they had lived for 75 years to leave their family, to leave everything that they knew, to leave possibly an inheritance from his dad, to leave his livelihood, to leave everything that had become familiar to him, just to pick up and leave after 75 years of being settled in that place. That's a significant step of faith to take. You know, when I was growing up, my family moved very regularly we moved often. When I was in seventh grade, we lived in three separate, three different towns over my seventh grade year. We were just always moving from one place to another. Where I lived in college, in my dorm in college, up until that point was the longest I'd ever lived anywhere in my life, almost twice as long as anywhere I'd lived, is living in college. So growing up, moving was difficult, but because we never really got to put roots down, it was just it was kind of a regular way of, of life. I always tease my parents, there's this one crystal pitcher that every time i saw that on the table i knew they were about to announce that we're moving someplace else they would try to you know set a certain atmosphere have a nice dinner and my dad would break the news well we're we're moving again so we all we always moved When I moved here, I've lived here over 18 years. This is by far, by far the longest I've ever lived anywhere. Living here 18 years, now to imagine moving away to another town, I've got roots down. It would be a difficult step to take at this point. That's me thinking of 18 years. Abram had lived there 75 years. Think about the challenges involved, the difficulty, the excuses that in the natural would have been completely valid excuses not to do what God had called him to do at this point in my life i'm 75 you you, you want me to just pick up and leave? I, I couldn't do that to my dad. I couldn't do that to my mom. I couldn't do that to the rest of them. I've got responsibilities here. I've got a reputation here. All kinds of excuses. You want me to go and you're gonna make me a nation? Well, I'm 75 and right now I have a total of, of zero children, so I don't see how that's gonna happen. When they get to when they get to Canaan, it says that they in verse 6 that the Canaanites dwelled in the land of Canaan. You're gonna, you're gonna give me this land. It's not as though God led him to some vacant, unoccupied land. There was people that were already there. All kinds of difficulties. And obstacles and excuses, man, there's already people here. Let's just go back to to mom and dad's house and settle back down there. But excuses and obstacles, challenges are never an excuse from obedience to God. In fact, difficulties and challenges, those are the conditions to see God's miracle-working power begin to work in your situation. And a lot of people never see the hand of God move in a significant way. They never really see a breakthrough or a miracle because as they navigate through life, they always avoid challenges and difficulties and obstacles. And even though they feel like God is leading them, as soon as they see some kind of obstruction, they decide to take a path of least resistance and never put themselves in the right conditions, the right situation to see God have to step through on their behalf. Abram had the opportunity to say, nope, it's it's too hard, too difficult. You're asking too much, but he was willing to do whatever, whatever it takes. God, you tell me to go. I'm, I'm going to go. David Oyedepo, who is the pastor of one of the largest churches in the world. It's a church in Nigeria. And something I've heard him say on multiple occasions is that there are giants in every man's promised land. There's giants in everyone's promised land. So if you want to make it a habit of avoiding giants, of avoiding obstacles, of avoiding challenges, just know that you're also avoiding the promised land that God has called you into, that place of blessing, that place of impact, because God operates in our life how? Through faith, through faith. And so you've got to trust him and believe that he's going to be able to lead me. Whatever challenges, whatever obstacles, whatever difficulties, whatever giants need to be overcome, I'm going to trust God to work in me and through me and for me if he's telling me to head this Direction, I'm just gonna obey and put my trust in him. Obedience, obedience is a mark of faith. Faith is demonstrated, faith is expressed in our lives through obedience. Obedience is so sweet to the heart of God. He, He wants you to have faith in him. Without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please. You can't please him. You can't bring a smile to the face of God without without faith. And faith is demonstrated by obedience. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 14, he said, if you love me, if you love me, you want to express your love for me, obey, obey. So when I obey, I'm showing God, I trust you. When I obey what God tells me to do, I'm telling God, I love you. I love you. You can see in my life, God, everything I do, it's obedience. You tell me to do this, I'll do it. It's a song of praise. God, I love you. Tell me, don't do that. Okay, I won't do it. Obedience. I'm showing God that I love him. Obedience is so sweet to the heart of the Father. Let, Let me read to you from 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 15. This is God speaking through Samuel, the prophet, To Saul, who was the first king of Israel, Saul had disobeyed what God had told him to do and then tried to justify his disobedience by all the sacrifices and the great things, how much he'd worship the Lord and all those kinds of things. But here's what God says in response, verse 22. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, And to heed than the fat of rams. To obey, it's better than sacrifice, better than worship, better than saying, God, look what I've look what I've done, look what I've given. God delights in seeing people that just obey, just do what He's asked them to do. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. Just to listen. People that will position their ear. God, speak to me. God, let me know what you want me to do. How do you want me to handle this situation? Father, how do you want me to lead my family? God loves it when people heed his voice and then do what he tells them to do. Obedience is precious to the Lord. Let's keep reading Genesis chapter 12, verse 7. It says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. So God speaks to him and says, this is the land this is it, your, your descendants are gonna have this land. So, so Abram builds an altar to the Lord when God appears to him, builds an altar and worships. It says, then he goes to the, the mountain near Bethel and he builds another altar and worships God. And it says, so Abram moved through the land toward the south. That became the way that he traveled. He traveled to a new spot. He'd build an altar and he'd worship God and he traveled to another spot. He'd build an altar and he'd, he'd worship the Lord. So part of, part of building that altar was worship. God, you're so worthy. I thank you. I praise you. There's no other God like you. But building an altar had another significance. Building an altar is one of the ways that they would stake claim to land. And when they built an altar, it was worship, but it was also. This, is, this has been claimed for the kingdom of God. This belongs to God. This is set apart for God. Then he'd move to another place and build another altar. This belongs to God, and this belongs to God. And everywhere I establish an altar, I'm just letting you know, I'm claiming this to belong to God and for the kingdom of God. And when you understand the altars had that kind of significance, then it brings deeper understanding in. When you read through the Old Testament and see that sometimes the nation of Israel would begin to worship false gods and they'd they'd build altars to Baal and erect Asherah poles and those kinds of things, that God delighted, he would bless men that would rise up in leadership that would destroy those kinds of things, tear them down, even if they weren't in use they were still there. And that altar was a a sign that some false god was trying to put a claim on what belonged to God, destroy them, clean them out of the way, because this land has been claimed for God. You know, we moved to this building. When we first started talking about whatever it takes, this was a decrepit old toy store. We started saying, what if we took it? What if we changed it? What if we fixed it up and, and made it a place of worship? a place where people would make decisions. I want to follow Jesus, where people would honor the Lord and his, his word would be preached and worship would go up. Now, we, we, don't, we don't worship the same way they did it in the Old Testament, in a sense of slaughtering animals and those kinds of things. If every Sunday, Pastor Jonathan came out with a, a butcher's apron on and started s- slicing and dicing animals, you know, Probably be more reflective of what happened in the Old Testament. Thank God we, we, you know, we're not rinsing lobes of livers and those kinds of things on a Sunday morning. But when we lift our voices and we begin to worship, this, this place is like an altar. It's a place of worship. This is a, a center where God's name is lifted up. It's, this place is an altar. Our lives are like an altar. So when we go through a service and we start with worship and we begin to praise God and we're taking steps to honor him, we're not just moving through a Sunday service because that's the liturgy and that's just that's just how we do things. When we begin to worship, we're honoring God, but you know what else we're doing? We're, we're staking a claim. This belongs to God. Our lives belong to God. This building, this community, the families around this, re- we're staking a claim. This is for the kingdom of, of God. We're, we're working to advance the kingdom of God and just saying in the, in the spiritual realm, in the physical realm, in every realm that exists, Just we just want to let you know we're staking a claim for the kingdom of God. And we're going to do whatever it takes to see his kingdom advance, to make it as hard as possible for people that live anywhere around here to make it to hell. We're going to stand in the gap. We'll do whatever it takes to advance the kingdom of God. That's what our heart is. It's not enough just to believe good things about God. It's not enough just to to give a nod of the head in appreciation to the word of God. Obedience, obedience is the way that we express faith. That's what God is looking for. God wants people that are obedient. So when we talk about giving, again, I know that turns some people off. But if it turns you off, if that's, you know, you've got issues with the church asking about money, that, that, that's fine. Don't give anything, but just ask yourself the question, why? Why is that area of my life off limits to God? Well, why do I clench up when people start talking about that? Why not be just totally yielded? God, you speak and I'll listen to you. I'm yours. I'll do whatever you want, God. So giving is is about discipleship. Let me read to you from James chapter two. It says, but someone will say you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. He's talking about doing something, not just saying I believe, I believe in God, I love God, I love the word of God. That's good, but he's saying, okay, you you can do it without works. I'll tell you, as, as far as I go, James says, you're gonna be able to see things in my life. I want to be able to point, I did this, I did that. Here's something, I want fruit in my life. And he goes on. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. You believe in God, that's good. We need to believe in God. Good for you, that's a positive step. But you know, you really haven't separated yourself because even the demons, they they believe in God. Do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham, same guy we're talking about this morning, was not Abraham our father justified by works? That when God spoke to him, he didn't just say, yep, God, I sure do believe in you. I hear that voice of yours. I believe in you, God. He was justified that when God spoke to him, leave this place and go to a land that I'll show you. And so Abram departed, left behind that land, began to follow God. It was obedience obedience. It's one thing to believe, but then we also want to be able to obey what God is speaking to our hearts to do. And that's what Jesus said that that's, that's, you let me know you love me when you do that. That's sweeter than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. So here's what we're going to do. We'll have a Sunday in a few weeks where we give people an opportunity to make commitments, to bring a special offering, to say, you know what, going into this next year, Here's what I I intend to bring before the Lord. We want to obey, but before we obey, first we need to hear what God is saying so we know what to obey. So we want to make a commitment this morning. I want to challenge you just to take these next few weeks as we're in this series, just to ask God, God, what would you have me do? What would you have me give? Pastor Scott Wilson, who's someone I, I like to learn from, he talks about, plowing our hearts, that we plow our hearts, we cultivate our hearts. And he uses that word plows an acrostic. He says, we, we pray and then we listen. And once we listen, we obey. And when we obey, God wows us. That We plow our hearts. God, what would you have me do? What we're learning, this giving is so significant because it's like a training ground that we can apply to other areas. God, what would you have me do? Speak to my heart. If, if God says nothing, then it's nothing. If God says $100, $100, whatever, God, you speak to me. Teach me to hear your voice clear. And when I hear you, I will obey what you tell me to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to take time to listen. Okay, now, God, speak, speak. This is, a, this is a great time to learn to hear God's voice. And if you are married, great time to learn to hear God's voice as a couple. You, you pray, I'll pray. Let's come together and see if God doesn't speak to our hearts. And when you come together and you both have the same number or the same percentage or God lays the same thing on your heart, it, it, it's, it's confirmation. Man, I was, hearing, I was hearing the voice of God. It's one of the blessings of having a spouse to be able to operate like that. So we pray and we listen and we'll get to obedience, but let's just start with praying and listening. In fact, I'm going to ask you just to just close your eyes right now. Just close your eyes, bow your heads. What's an area you think God wants you to grow in your faith? How can God stretch you and develop you as a disciple through your giving? Maybe maybe you're new to the church. Maybe you're new to being a Christian. Maybe you're new to the idea of giving. What, What are some first steps you can take, some next steps you can take to begin to develop yourself as a giver? Just let God speak to you. Just ask him genuinely, God, is this something you want me to do? Is this something you want me to participate in? Maybe, maybe you made one of those commitments two years ago. A lot of people have fulfilled their commitments. Some people made commitments and didn't follow through on them. Just ask God, God, what, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to change something? You want me to go above and beyond? Maybe, maybe when it comes to giving, you've been settled in at a certain percentage, a certain number, you're pretty established. Maybe you're older in the faith or just older in life. You know, Abraham was 75 years old where God challenged him to take a step of faith so that he could step into a new season and a new dimension of blessing. So wherever you are, don't, don't excuse yourself from just asking God, Lord, what do you want to speak to my heart? So I want to take a couple of minutes just to enjoy the presence of God just to make that commitment, God, I'm gonna be praying. God, I'm gonna be asking, I want want to develop myself as a disciple, totally yielded, totally willing, totally obedient, nothing off limits, nothing you could say to me that I'd say, "I I don't know about that. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.